It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. Remember the theme of the day and a themed week of executive orders by President Biden, as well as a plan to reopen, reopen healthcare.gov during the pandemic. What is the goal? What were the results, the real results, the monetary cost to the average American, the effectiveness of the Not-So-Affordable Care Act, or for some who believe it is, the Affordable Care Act? What about Republicans? Will they have a say? Dr. Robert Grayboys, a senior research fellow and a healthcare scholar at Mercatus at George Mason University, joins me now. Uh, Doctor, great to have you here. Policy and practice, health care or health insurance, what do we really have here? Great to be talking to you, David. Thanks for having me. So, I don't know, a couple, uh, a couple of weeks ago I wrote a piece saying that essentially the however you want to date it, 15- or 30-year war is pretty much over. The uh, I think the Democratic majorities are slim enough that you're not going to be seeing massive change like single-payer. I could be wrong, could, be, could wake up to a surprise, but I don't think so. And uh, similarly, uh, uh, the Republicans certainly aren't going to have an opportunity to do any repealing and replacing. So my guess is that um, on the demand side of health care, we're going to be seeing an awful lot of tweaking of the ACA. And uh, uh, you know, it might be a little World War One pitched battles moving six inches that way and six inches the other way. But I, I'm guessing we're not going to see massive changes. Uh, again, I, I have been surprised before in life. I could be surprised again. But I do think it offers a great opportunity to stop obsessing with the demand side and focus more on the supply side of care, where I think there's a whole lot of work that can be done uh, to bring better health to more people at lower cost, uh, and in many ways that uh, that could attract some bipartisan support. So those are the things that really interest me now. Yeah, I, I'm a bit of a skeptic at times, healthy cynic, as I like to call myself when it comes to bipartisan support in sure. Washington, D.C., but there has been ineffectiveness in addressing health care, the health insurance side of it, the provider side of it. Uh, we did have some hope in the last four years with alternatives being allowed, uh, the ability to associate, right, associate health, association health plans, various approaches. Uh, choice is a part of this, but, you know, I, I guess you and I stand on that agreement that uh, they'll push back and forth six inches here, six inches there. But the people pay the price when there's an ineffective, ineffective uh, and call it partial health system. Yeah, I'm, so I'm, I'm some of the dissident there. I'm. Uh, I didn't find a whole lot inspiring in the last four years or the eight years before that or years before that. A lot of it was, uh, I don't know, I've had a, a line that I use in talks um, that I, I like to say that um, the Democrats think that the purpose of the federal government is to obstruct markets and uh, block innovation in health care. The Republicans think that the job of obstructing markets and blocking innovation is best done at the state level 
we've we've really had both parties which have been stuck in uh, I call, I wrote a piece some years ago called Fortress and Frontier in American Healthcare and both of them have been stuck in a fortress mentality which is um protecting insiders and being obsessively risk averse and I much prefer what I call the frontier uh, approach which is much more akin to what we've seen in, say, the information technology industry in the last 30 years. And we are seeing some of those things in healthcare. And incredibly, uh, the last uh, almost year now of COVID uh, resulted in more innovation in healthcare than I think you had seen in the previous 30 or 40 years. Uh, it had to be done. We had changes in telemedicine, in licensure, in scope of practice, in certificate of need, and just all sorts of things changed because we had to do it in a hurry, and it's worked great. And it was done in part in red states and blue states, and it was done nationwide. And those, I think, are where the real virtues are going to come uh, going forward. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. And uh, uh, the nice thing with it is I can go up to Capitol Hill. Well, I can't go up there anymore because, you know, we're on Zoom now. But when I talk to them, uh, I can talk to Democrats, I can talk to Republicans about these issues, and I get a friendly audience from both. Yeah, It's interesting the way you say that you get a friendly audience from both. And, and I'm with uh, many you know, that look at the state level, uh, you know, the fact that we need actual and real competition across state lines, all the various things. At one point in New York State years ago, during the Obama-Biden years, uh, for one operation, I attempted to just price out the market and give my employees the cost. In other words, if it's going to cost you six fifty a month or whatever that number is, if you have a family, this is the average cost. I added a percentage, and you can go out on the marketplace and shop for your insurance. The state of New York told me that if I did that, I would be punished retroactively to January 1 at a cost of, I believe it was $100 a day per employee. It would add up to tens of thousands. It would continue to add up because I wanted to make a choice. Uh, companies provide the majority of health plans for Americans around the country. And when you look at what's happening now with the changes in the economy and the changes in companies and how they do business, uh, people who are becoming more independent contractors, I don't see from the government side any or what I would call a reasonable approach to giving people the choice and companies the choice to compete for the business. Yeah, yeah I agree. Again, I, I thought it was a somewhat bipartisan problem there. I, um, you mentioned a couple things that frequently come up um, on the conservative side, buying and selling across state lines and association health plans. And again, I'm kind of, I was a skeptic on those. I, I never thought they mounted to much uh, in the way of ideas. Uh, there were lots of other things we could do, but I didn't think those were were the answers, and I've written extensively on why that is. But, um, yeah, I'm not surprised with your New York experience. There was a fascinating case. So looking at the supply side again, uh, there's a, a movement in the U.S. called direct primary care where you you pay a fixed monthly fee, and then you get all the primary care you want, uh, usually 24-7. You can email, you can video, you can... You can visit their offices. You can do whatever. And uh, one of the leading uh, entrepreneurs uh, of that 
maybe the, the the most prominent of them is a fellow in New England by the name of Rushika Fernando Pulite. And he's got, I don't know what he has now, 25, 30 different clinics around. And he went to the state of New York with a, an offer. He said, you've got hundreds of thousands of undocumented immigrants on your you know, in your state, and they can't get insurance, and what they're doing is going to the emergency rooms, and they're costing your state a fortune. He said, I'll, I'll offer you a deal, and uh, I will uh, I will take all of those people that I can get onto my books, and I will provide all their primary care for $1 a day apiece. So $365 a year, all of those people, as many as you bring me, can have... Uh, can have primary care, and they will not be going to the ER and costing a fortune. And basically, New York, and I think also Massachusetts, uh, same offer, both states said, well, that would be great, that, let's do that, but if you do it, we're going to call you uh, an insurer, and we're going to regulate you accordingly, and we're going to break you financially. Is that okay? And he's kind of, no, that's I'm not an insurer, I'm a primary caregiver. So there is a big problem, uh, again, with these with uh, state regulatory schemes, the uh, insurance commissioners like to exert their power. Sounds like you dealt with the same same sort of a situation. And yeah, as long as that's happening, you're probably not going to get a satisfactory insurance system that's going to make you or your employees happy. But is there a more onerous side to this for those who believe in a government-run system over the private marketplace? And that's ideologically driven. Uh, you know, you talk about a, an administration that plans to reopen uh, the enrollment period, I believe, in May. Yep. You, you look at all these efforts and you look at the results of what they actually provide. It's a card. They're not providing you with a fix to a system that does have issues. There are fair issues to be addressed with insurance costs, hospital costs. I believe that something needs to be done there, transparency and cost and pricing, uh, so many things that need to be addressed. And ideologically, we've seen this play, at least I, you know, I think America has now seen it, that it is to drive people into a single-payer system. The former president said it himself in an interview that while we may not get it in the first round, Obama said, well, you know, we'll make take 15 years. Others are very clear about their ideas. They're working towards this, which is not a fix for the system. And to be fair, there's not a perfect fix for this system. But there's an ideological bent to drive us to something that has been proven, as in the NIH in the UK, a failure. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree at all. Uh, my colleague Chuck Blahouse and I wrote uh, an article uh, a couple of weeks ago called "Leftward Ho." We were trying to answer the charge that uh, you know, Democrats have moved a little to the left and Republicans have moved way to the right. And we said, nope, that's not right. Both sides have moved to the left. The Republicans have moved at a moderate clip to the left, and the Democrats have moved at a rapid clip to the left. And uh, if you look at what Republicans ended up arguing in the 2020 elections, and I think 2018 too, I will argue that they have accepted the central core of the Affordable Care Act. The Republican message was, we're going to make sure people with pre-existing conditions are covered. Well, when you're talking guaranteed issue, you, you have moved 
essentially you've accepted the central premise of the ACA, which is why I think you're going to have these six-inch battles, because they're really, well, they may not like each other, and they may accuse each other of, of being terribly different on health care. I find them rather similar at this point, and, uh, I, which is why I, I tend to turn my attention to all of these other, you know, I rattle off a list of about 10 things where there is some progress possible, and I'm just not seeing any significant chance uh, that, uh, that either side is going to make much difference on the insurance side. At least at the national level, I tell you, it, it doesn't sound like a rosy picture ahead for Americans. It, it sounds like an acceptance of a quote. Well, I don't know if it's a new norm, but you know, this is where our political systems and and supported by these agencies that back this up have failed the American people. So. Where is at least a path or a beginning point to the solution in your in your opinion? Right, and I like to focus on in increasing, improving, expanding the supply of care rather than focusing over and over and over on how we pay for it and what your insurance card looks like. So this includes things like uh, an expansion of telemedicine. Uh, expanding it, expand that across state lines, which we did during COVID, and you suddenly make uh, make care less expensive and more attainable. You can you can get it anywhere you want, 24/7, 365. Changes in licensure so that doctors, you know, like Arizona last year, made it clear: if you're a doctor licensed in any state, and you want to move to Arizona. Just tell us you're here and hang your shingle the next day, and then we'll talk about how to get you an Arizona license. But they don't have this protectionist, no, you've got to come here, and you've got to get a new license at great expense and whatever, and we're not going to let you do anything for a while. Um, scope of practice, letting nurse practitioners uh, do things that used to be only doctors did. Some states already let them do that. Uh, dropping these certificate of need laws where if you're a hospital and you want to add beds or buy a CAT scan machine, you got to go to the state legislature and beg permission for it uh, from people who probably are already uh, kind of uh, friendly with your competitor, the older hospital. I've written on delivering blood supplies by uh, drones, un unmanned aerial vehicles, which is being done in a number of countries around the world. Um, uh, part of it is opening the doors for uh, uh, immigrants to come in and provide care and nursing uh, medicine, changing the way the uh, Food and Drug Administration uh, uh, approves drugs and devices. There, I can show you a, a good example in the European Union, which I'm not usually a big fan of, but for devices there, they don't have an FDA they have a whole bunch of private companies certified by the government. You think of it like underwriters' laboratories for electrical devices. And you pick the one that you think is actually going to get the job done and do a sensible job and review your device. And once one of them approves, all the others have to do it by reciprocity. Uh, I'd like to see more flexible Medicare pricing arrangements. We've got a set of price controls there that really make it... Um, not financially viable to do a lot of good things. Uh, you know, there's a case that I like to point out. I think it's the world's iconic case. There's a hospital system in India called Narayana. 
There's about 20 hospitals plus one in the Caribbean that's aimed at serving American patients. At uh, an American hospital, if you need a, car, a cardiac bypass operation, it's about $100,000. If you go to Narayana in India, it is just over $1,000, and their results are equal to or better than anything we get here because they run it like a, uh, a Toyota plant, uh, the, same, the same efficiency methods that you see there. And the doctor who founded it, who's the CEO, said a couple of years ago, the best place on planet Earth to open a hospital is on a ship moored just outside of the territorial waters of the United States. Because once you sail into our waters, the legal and regulatory framework makes it absolutely impossible for them to do what they did there. So instead, they opened a hospital um, in the Cayman Islands, an hour and a half flight from Miami, because there, Americans can fly down there. Uh, it's, it's not two, it's not a thousand dollars there, but it's about thirty thousand versus a hundred thousand here, and they get superb care. But the and so my my the two I call it the Narayana riddles are how come they can do it so cheaply, uh, and it's not just because it's in India. It's it's really because they run it like a Toyota factory, and the second is if they can do it, why can't we? You answer those questions, we can stop haggling so much over, um, you know, Obamacare and Medicare and public option and all of these things. Uh, you know, when when in the last 30 years the price of computing uh, went down unbelievably quickly, and we were not arguing over how do we pay for this? Do we have computer insurance? Who gets to be in line? Instead. We freed that market, we released it, and let people innovate. And that's something that, since about 1910, we have not done in the United States. A lot in there. I'm going to have to look into this India model, learn more about it. Happy to help you with it. <laughs> always, always happy to get the help. I need it, believe me. Dr. Robert Grayboy, Senior Research Fellow and healthcare scholar at Mercatus at George Mason University. I always learn where you and your teams are involved. Thank you. Great. Thank you so much. 866-95-PATRIOT, 957-2874. You can join me live on the David Webb Show, Monday to Friday, 9 to noon east, on Sirius XM Patriot 125.